Hey, Tom Show listeners, it's time for Gen Con 2012, and this recording is coming to you straight from the con. That's right. We present to you here an unedited recording straight from the best four days in gaming. But be aware of what that means. We did not dictate the content. We are not censoring for language. And while our editor, Sam, will try to make the sound as good as possible, we're in a large room trying to capture as much sound as possible. So it may not be as crisp and clear as you're used to. With that said, we as always have to give credit to the folks who help us pay the bills around here, and that's Continue Magazine. It's a quarterly magazine for all sorts of gamers. Video, board, card, mini, and of course RPGs. Be sure to swing by ContinueMag.com, buy a magazine, and tell them thank you for supporting the podcast. Well, without further ado, your Gen Con 2012 recording. Whichever one it happens to be this time around. Enjoy! Like 12 o'clock, we're actually late. <laughs> Kate's now going to do her morning cheer. Oh, gosh. No. <laughs> you have a morning cheer? No. No. <laughs> no. Yeah, so I morning, don't have morning cheer. Morning I'm perky, but not that perky. The morning cheer is give me a damn coffee. <laughs> Which I haven't had yet. Sorry. Oh. So it would be give me my damn coffee. <laughs> Good morning. My name is John Shindahedi. I am the creative director of Dungeons & Dragons. Um, you might notice that there's a few more people up here than work at Wizards. I decided that anybody who's stupid enough to get up at 8 o'clock deserved a treat. So I asked a few other people to show up. So if you guys can introduce yourselves and tell us what you do and who you work for, and uh, we'll get this shindig started. I'm Zoe Robinson. I am the Senior Art Director at Fantasy Flight Games. I'm Kate Irwin, and I'm an Art Director, Commissioning Art Director for D&D at Wizards of the Coast. I'm Jeremy Jarvis, Senior Art Director for Magic the Gathering. I'm Sarah Robinson, Senior Art Director for Paizo Publishing, and we do Pathfinder role-playing game. So, this is going to be pretty simple. It will be as long and as short. Well, it won't be more than two hours at least. Um, Long and short as you want it, because I'm going to have a moderation. I'll moderate a few questions and just get the guys to talk. But then after that, we're going to open it up to you guys to ask as many questions and ask as many silly little things that you want of us because here's the thing that I'll tell everybody who starts out there's no such thing as a stupid question in the beginning <laughs> there's lots of stupid questions once you've been told but in the beginning there's no stupid questions so there will however be stupid answers lots of stupid answers potentially so um, I just want to kick it off with the tell us a little bit about the the type of artist that you like to work with, and uh, what you're looking for. And you can just go off random order, I don't care, whoever feels brave. Uh, so for Magic, we look for, uh, you know, every, every year we have the kind of Star Trek model that moves from plane to plane in the Magic multiverse, and so what I'm constantly looking for is a stable of artists, uh, stable of artists for that year's set to, you know, best sell um, that aesthetic, what we're trying to go for, how this year is different from last year and how it will be different from next year. Uh, Magic used to be kind of a, a core of, of stable artists that uh, wherever we were, those were Magic artists, and we that is no longer the paradigm. Uh, I very much look for guys that work together. It's kind of like movie casting. You know, I want actors that best sell you know, those roles for that year, and it just completely depends on what the setting is, which is completely dependent on what the new card mechanics are. The setting is meant to reflect and enhance the mechanics, and the artist roster is meant to reflect and enhance the setting. 
Thank you. <laughs> yeah, what he said. Um, <laughs> uh, Fantasy Flight has a bunch of different properties. Um, we just put out Nutrunner, which is sort of a little abstract and a little more on the cartoony side. Star Wars license, we've got a bunch of different styles. So um, really what I'm looking for is, is people who can hit the styles with the sort of general look and feel of the various lines um, and who can get work in time and uh, in on time and be consistent, which is, I guess, the, the no-brainer, but should be said. Yeah, that's true. Um, working on D&D, of course, I'm looking for fantasy, but there are all different kinds of, or different styles of art, and sometimes they can all be reflected in one product, and um, sometimes we try to keep it a little more tight like they do with magic. Um, it really depends on the project. Um, I also work on the online magazines, Dungeon and Dragon, and there I have a lot more leeway, so um, I've done uh, cartoon styles in there, I've done super realistic, um, and everything in between, so. Well, uh, for Pathfinder, what I'm looking for is just, you know, good, creative, uh, mostly fantasy stuff that... Um, Pathfinder is mostly high fantasy, and just looking for you know people who are consistent and people who are on time. This mm -hmm. yeah. There are people that are on time. <laughs> Sometimes yeah. there are. There. Three and, of them. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and there also another thing that I really like, and the, and the people that I keep going back to over and over again are somebody who brings themselves to the project. Mm -hmm. um, who you'll get a brief and. Um, I like an artist who really thinks about what the brief is asking for and can can bring a little something extra to it as well. So, so you guys kind of touched on the, the first order of business, which is what do you look for in an artist, which is, well, be on time, mm -hmm. uh, probably read the brief, yeah. do a little bit of research, and give them your best work. What are the couple of things that you'd say an, an artist should absolutely never do? Um, if you are using reference and are not integrating the reference and are just assuming that I'm not going to see the picture that you are, are copying, don't use the third image on Google Images. <laughs> I'm serious. Like, I, yeah, it, it happens more than... It's true. Yeah, and it... <laughs> don't do that. Yeah. Uh, going incommunicado is a big no-no. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. uh, bad things happen to everyone. Schedules get messed up. There are personal traumas in life. And uh, if you're going to be late or if there are deadline issues or uh, deadline versus quality issues, just let the art director know. But if you do that thing where you're like, I'll just, I need two weeks and I'll just bust it out and not say anything and just magically turn it in, don't do that ever, ever, ever. Like, even if the answer is, I really need two weeks, you know, let the art director know and he or she might have to recommission it or they might be able to give you that two weeks, but whatever you do, do not just play the I'm not picking up the phone game. That is career killer. And the other side of that is if you really do need those two weeks, don't pretend that you, that you don't and turn in a piece of poop because I can't use the poop either. So it's as, as good as turning in nothing. Or play the day of the week game. I need the weekend. It'll be there Monday. 
I didn't say which Monday. <laughs> That's not good. Tomorrow, tomorrow, yeah. tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. So for me, I've always found that the communication is like one of the number one keys. I mean, that's why I always tell all the artists that I work with is communicate, communicate, communicate. Um, because it goes right back to what you're just saying, which is, you know, if, if there's going to be a problem, surprises kill. Yeah. And surprises kill uh, careers. And what a lot of people forget is that it doesn't just kill your career, it can kill our career. <laughs> so we get, you know, Art directors are risk averse. People always say, well, I'm brand new, and I just need you to try me. I just need you to try me. Well, we're, we're really risk averse, and it's, we're really risk averse because we get burned by the guys we know, mm -hmm. let alone by the guys we don't know. And so we get a little bit antsy about, you know, giving somebody a try. Uh, but in that case, you know, if you get that chance, you get that try, just communicate. And if, like uh, they were saying, if you think you're going to be late, awesome. Call me up, say... I'm going to be a week late, I'm going to be two weeks late, I think I got my arm cut off, whatever the case might be. Um, I worked with, we were just talking, having this story the other day, I've had a million people, Zoe was saying she's had a million people who've had a million grandmothers die. And, and Once you get through your sixth grandmother. You, you don't believe them anymore. <laughs> you know, uh, I don't know how many broken arms and broken fingers I've heard about, but you know, then you get guys like Eric Belisle who calls me up. He's in Japan during the middle of the earthquake, during the middle of the, the meltdown, and says, "No problem. I got a generator. I'll hit every deadline." And he did. You should have probably given that dude an extension, you insensitive. <laughs> <laughs> we did try to give him an extension. He was saying, "Not a problem." That's the whole point. Jesus, John. I know. I'm an ass. <laughs> Actually, it was Kate. I think it was her project, wasn't it? <laughs> of course it was Kate. I had something with him, too, during that time. I know you so. did. He had, like, worked with three art directors yeah. at the time. Um, but so if somebody can turn in their work on time in the middle of an earthquake and a nuclear meltdown, there's not a lot of excuses out there I buy, especially with the ones where they don't call me up for two weeks and then say, oh, I couldn't be there because I had a family emergency. Mm -hmm. Okay, I get it. I have them, too. But I still can pick up the phone and call well, and so. I think um, a lot of young artists get paralyzed. That that whole like, I I know I'm supposed to do it, but the feeling of guilt that I haven't done it makes it so that I I, I can't do anything, and I don't want to say anything. Then people get paralyzed, and if you start to feel yourself lock up like that, it's important to do the exact opposite. As soon as you dread calling your art director, call them. That the dread is a is a sign. It's like. So, we were talking earlier about getting that chance. So, how do you find artists? I mean, do you look for them online? Do you uh, meet them at cons? Do you just pull them out of your hat? Everything except the last. Everything um, except the last. Yes, um, we've met we've met some of you here during portfolio reviews, um, and that's that's always great to get face to face and. Um, if there are ways that we think you can improve your book to get to the standard where we want to work with you, you know, we give you that feedback. And once you've made it there, we say, hey, come to the fold. Um, I might have something for you. You know, we, we, we hire out of cons like this. Um, we, at Wizards of the Coast, we have a portfolio submission uh, artdrop at wizards.com. If, if you didn't get that, it was artdrop at wizards.com. 
and all of the art directors look through there. We, um, if somebody we like, we send it to each other to make sure that everybody's seen that person. Um, so we hire out of there. We hire friends of artists that we already work with, people who are recommended to us by other people that, that we trust. Um, we steal from each other. Um, <laughs> from other brands. From other brands, from other companies. Um, <laughs> um, yes. Yeah. You, might notice, you might notice it's... It is a big friendship up here, you know. We all we all have a little bit of a competition with each other because we hate each other when they do good stuff, and we love each other when they do less than I'm not as good stuff. It's an angry smile. Yeah, <laughs> but at the same time, you know, one of the things that a lot of us will do is, especially in situations like this, we'll get together, we'll talk. So I always talk to folks and say, you know, it's a bad thing to screw over one art director because. The rest of the art directors find out really right. quick. Yes, very quickly. Right. Yes. I know that I was uh, uh, in New York City earlier, and I was talking with Irene Gallo, and she brought up somebody, and I was like, oh, they, and I had a story. She's like, oh, thank you for telling me that. Uh, so. We'll talk later. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. The, uh, actually, what we had, Sarah and I, I am all day, yeah. pretty much. And uh, how did it even start? She was just like, oh, I have this new person, and she won't talk to me, and she fell off the face of the earth. I was like, oh, who is it? She told me the name. I'm like, oh, I'm on I am with her right now. You want me to just kick her for you? <laughs> <laughs> so it was me. I am the artist being like, okay, you need to, you need to email Sarah right now. Yep, and I got it right away. So yeah. <laughs> it, it, it helped a lot. Does that make you nervous to know that we all talk like this? And in all fairness, that's not just a bad thing. Like, yeah. I absolutely go to John and to Kate and to Mary Kulkowski all the time, and I'm like, I am super screwed. I need someone who is fast and reliable. Right. And it, it works both ways. Yes. If, you're, if you're Johnny or Jenny on the spot, it, that will get around the industry mm -hmm. as well. I know at, at our company, sometimes it comes down to, like, all right, you know, so-and-so. I really need them. No, I need them too. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we've had that one too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, let's finish the question. Uh, finding artists. How do you find them? Um, well, I usually look online. I um, sometimes send cold, e cold emails introducing myself and um, introducing the Pathfinder um, if they don't know already. Um, I go to a lot of conventions, although I'm scaling back because it's kind of tiring. Um, but yeah, through conventions and online and just um, submissions as well, which is art submissions at Pizzle.com. <laughs> Do you want to say that slower too? Because <laughs> I will, she'd have to say it slower because I don't know it. <laughs> art submissions. Sure. <laughs> 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 later I'll tell you later <laughs> um, I actually do most of my um, internet surfing just uh, going I spent a lot of time on DeviantArt I spent a lot of time um, sort of link cruising from people so I'll start with somebody who I who I trust and then I'll be like oh who are their linked artists because I find that artists tend to like artists who have a similar style to theirs and so if there's somebody who I need more of them, I'll start with them and then just sort of go through their 
they're linked artists and and I Sarah's really nice sending the the like introductory email. I usually just cold contact people. Hi, you might not have heard of me before, but I uh, have this project. You want to work on it? Um, just out of the blue. Uh, but I do pick up some people at cons. I don't go to many conventions, but I always really like to, to meet artists and talk with them. And yeah, it's mostly the internet. And I, I'm a combination of all those uh, because I work in a lot of different fronts, you know, because on my end, as a creative director, I, I work in, I have to find 3D artists and folks for apparel and folks for commissioning. And, and then I also do, I'm the guy. When you send stuff to Art Drop, it comes to me, and I, I'm the guy who gets to sit here and wade through the stuff and go, yes, 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 no, 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 and then uh, forward it around. Uh, I also get, I don't know, 30, 40 people a day who refer folks to me. Um, I get probably a couple hundred a week where folks are uh, just cold calling me. So I, I see a lot of art, and I like to try and share it as much as possible. And that kind of, the thing I wanted to talk about that was, we do a lot of that, uh, Jeremy brought it up, is we do a lot of that sharing, you know, and there's a lot of times when I'll see art and I'll say, your style isn't conducive to my work or your content's not conducive to my work, but give so-and-so a call. Mm -hmm. So that, uh, that's something we do in our industry quite a bit too. I mean, it's a small, tight-knit industry. Uh, it's a little bit incestuous at times, but that's, you know, it's both its strengths and its, and its weakness, but uh, when we try and play up its strengths, it works really good. Um, from that, uh, if there were, if there was one thing you had to tell an aspiring artist, one suggestion, what would it be? Learn to see your own work. I get a lot of people sending me work, like, oh, please give me work, that if they looked at their own stuff critically and then just looked at our website. The, they'd be able to see that I was going to tell them no. If, if you can see your own work, and you can, then you can move towards what you want. So understanding what you want and seeing where you are you can start to bridge that gap. But if you don't have the self-analysis to see where you are, you can't get where you need to go. I think um, also along that line, just do a lot of research of yes. the company that you want to work for. Because, I mean, I'll get a lot of arts missions, but they're mostly all sci-fi, and I'm like, well, that's great, but we don't do sci-fi, so I can't use you. So if you want to work for a company, just kind of do research and um, maybe kind of go gear your portfolio towards that company's um, IP and just kind of practice if you really want to work for that company. Uh, I think what I would say uh, as people are trying to break in is just to... <laughs> This sounds negative, I don't mean it negatively, but remember in the back of your mind that when you get work, it means you have earned the right to take it away from someone else. Um, that's why it is difficult to break in. Uh, you know, we have relationships with artists, artists have relationships with each other, um, and it's high stakes for us to use new people, not only because of the, the deadline risk and the professional issues and quality issues, but it, it means that we have opted to, uh, to take a risk on you and at the expense of someone we were already working with. I don't have a fourth one. I keep going, I'm like, yeah, no, yeah, yeah. I don't have a fourth one. Okay, that's okay. 
Things are better in threes. That's Kate's point. Oh, that's right. So what? I mean, kind of on that same note, then what's what's the biggest mistake you see people making with their portfolios? I mean, because you brought up a really good point. I see that all the time, which is the fact that people submit to me. I mean, I get it all the time. Hi. I've been playing D&D for thousands of years and I love D&D or I love magic and here's my, and I'd love to sit here and be in, you know, in part of your game and here's my pretty little puppies and my little pretty little ponies. <laughs> what do you think? Call me. They don't get a call. Imagine that. You know, so when you look at pre people's portfolio, what's the number one mistake you're seeing besides content? No. Too much. Too much? Too much. If you, uh, and, and uneven. I mean, that, those two things go hand in hand. You want to show me everything that you can do, but I don't want to know everything you can do, and I only want to know the things you do really well, because those are the things I want to hire you for. Um, that's my main. Along the same lines, though, I think um, some people put up their thousand-hour paintings <laughs> And then, and you're never going to get that. Uh, yeah, and then um, we expect the style of the thousand hour painting, and when you don't get that, what are you saying? Like, the unexpected is um, put in your portfolio what you would turn in for a professional job. Uh, we don't need to see your figure drawings. If if we can't tell that you can draw figures from your illustration, you know, <laughs> I actually there are bigger issues. I like. Uh, not in the core portfolio, but I really like, sometimes I'll ask people to see their sketchbook. Because I think um, with a lot of young artists, they, they paint what people, what they think people want them to do. Um, and sometimes in sketchbooks, I can see people's native style, like what they're naturally drawn towards. People are looser. and So sometimes if I can't figure out what's going on in a painting, seeing sketchbooks will... Zoe would like to see your figure drawings. I would. Or I would like to see what you do when people aren't paying you to draw. What you do for, for yourself and for fun. Um, but separately. So on, on that note, I'm going to sideline the conversation for half a second. Part of your understanding of your portfolio is understanding what your portfolio is supposed to be for. If you're trying to get a freelance job with one of us, where we're only interested in what your production, you know, what you're gonna, what your final outcome is, that's one thing. If you're trying to get a job with a concepting studio, where they're looking at your process and your flow and how you think, then you have to have a completely different book mm -hmm. because they look for something very different than I do. I only care about finished paintings. A production studio manager wants to know how you well you think, what your processes are, and how well you fit into their team. That's a completely different process, a completely different portfolio. So, uh, I mean, I have had weekend workshops on portfolios. So, if you ever want to talk about portfolios, you grab me and give me like three hours, and I'll sit here and drive you crazy. Um, portfolios are our life and death. They're life and death for artists. You either get jobs or you lose jobs by your portfolio. And if you think it's just a matter of, I grabbed the last 20 things I didn't throw into a book, you will not get work. End of story. Um, so I guess my three my three no-brainers for uh, portfolios are get me to the art. Don't make me go through flash animation and then have to click five times to get to the full piece. Just get me to the art and let me next through it so I can see what's going on. 
don't make me listen to your music because chances are I'm listening to my own music and then just there's horror and I close down the, the window and I refuse to go back to your portfolio. Um, and put your contact information on things for the love of God. Um, <laughs> like there's, Especially if it's an actual valid email. Mm-hmm. Uh, because again, I, I find a lot of artists through just surfing the internet, and there's a lot of people who put things up without, with no way to contact anyone. Like DeviantArt, oh, this is great. You have no email and no blog. And Red Cat number thirty-six. No, I can't find you. So, those are my three no-brainers for portfolios. Uh, realize that we are not only looking for your best in your portfolio, we are also looking for your weakest. Yes. Um, we don't often openly admit that, but we are absolutely looking for how, how deep the sine wave is. Um, again, because it's our reputation as well, and we need to know what worst case scenario is. So uh, a good rule of thumb when you're showing your book, especially when you're starting up, is uh, if you feel the urge to explain the piece or to, to make excuses for it or use the word just, this was just a take it out of your book, take it out of your book. Like if that little tickle starts to come up your throat, just take it out uh, because you shouldn't be showing us that. Also, um, putting uh, the year in which you did the image is helpful because then it lets us see, like, oh, this paint, oh, you did it. Seven years ago. Okay. You should not have work in your book you did seven years ago. <laughs> so, yes, put the year on it so we know not to hire you. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, I have not painted in seven years, so whatever. <laughs> I mean, well, everything everybody set up here is all true. So It comes in threes. <laughs> um, let's see, what was the other oh, one? Oh, I do have one thing. Okay. When I'm looking at books, please use a normal size. I don't really like to have, you know, big, huge, mm. um, oversized portfolios because that's just, it's just awkward. Yeah. Oh, and I would also like to add, do not, do not, can I emphasize this one more time? Do not put originals in your portfolio. Oh, thank you. I would like, I would I hate the idea of telling you that I have seen far too many artists give their portfolio to somebody, and it never show up again. I have had way too many artists tell me that they, they handed their portfolio to somebody and it came back with coffee stains. I hate to tell you how many times people gave, turned their portfolio on over to somebody, got somebody else's portfolio in return, and a box full, a box full of originals at the same time. Never put originals in there, period. It's awfully cool. As an art director, I geek out about it. I never want to see it because I hate the idea of being responsible for somebody's originals. Oh, by the way, one of those people three years ago lost it in, at a wizard booth because somebody walked off with theirs, and I was crushed to know that they lost their entire portfolio full of originals. That was a hypothetical situation that John is talking about, which would have been tragic if wizards had anything to do with it. Why are you talking? <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Um, how about you guys? Got any questions? If you got any questions, just hop right up. Um, how do you, or what format do you prefer when someone submits a portfolio? 
And the question is, what format do you prefer when somebody submits a portfolio? I'm going to get six, five different, how many of us are there? Five? There's five, right five different answers, maybe six. So I'll start, just because I've I got a thousand of them a day. Um, I prefer one of two things. I either prefer four or five JPEGs attached to your email, or I prefer a URL going to uh, a specific P, uh, specific portfolio. Don't send me to your Deviant site where I have to surf through eight million things. Don't send me to a here's a web link to my Flickr site where I got to surf through eight million things. Send me to a portfolio that's got five, six, ten, twelve pieces in it because I'll tell you right now, I have a billion things to do in a day. If you ask me to sit here and surf through 120 images, I will look at four or five and then I'll leave. And if your awesome ones are at number 40, 45, you're screwed. So make sure you send me something good. That's what I want to see. I, I agree completely. Uh, an email with three to five JPEGs attached, if they are on the money, will get you work. Now, you should absolutely have a blog or a portfolio or whatever that supports. Oh, it's the P's to get you. <laughs> that supports uh, that. Uh, that quality of work. Um, don't let us go to your website and have that website undermine the three to five JPEGs you sent, but three to five will do it. Yeah. Uh, exactly what they said. Um, I really like the URLs because uh, the way that our database works, if, if I'm scouting randomly or if someone submits something and I like their work, I'll drop the URL right into the database so the other people on my team can you know, if I tag you for certain IPs when they need to fill in a project, your name will pop up. And if they don't know who you are, they click on the link and see your, see what you do. Um, hey, we need to talk about that database. That sounds cool. <laughs> um, so yes, URLs are good. Um, however, it is very quick if you just do a couple, like, here's the piece that I think that makes me want to work for you. Um, if you throw that JPEG in the email, it'll be easy for me to scan and decide I want to click on the link. Yeah, I think emails are um, the best way to go because I don't, and very short introductions because I don't even read. I don't read the. I don't even read the top. We just scroll down to see the art. I never learned to read. <laughs> <laughs> That's why you never answer my emails. That's a reason. We <laughs> <laughs> should take the hint. <laughs> Yeah, usually if, if, if someone's going to look at your, at your portfolio or website during their regular work day, you have about five seconds, <laughs> maybe 20 if... If we're being generous. Yeah. Yeah. It's true. Um, it made me think of a question. I was going to throw it out there, but now I've lost it. So go. Somebody else, give me a question. How about... Commissioning a piece of art for, like, say, a magic card. How specific are you in the requirements for that piece? Uh, so it, it it depends on the piece. Um, I mean, uh, all of the art descriptions are in response to the card mechanic. Like, the card mechanics should drive the creative. Uh, we come up with some sort of core concept that is then spun into an art description. And sometimes if, you know, especially at the, the upper rarities where things are really weird and specific, uh, we really need certain things represented. And sometimes it's a very abstract mechanic and I'll kind of just give them the gist and I'm like, here's, you know, here's two ideas uh, and here's why those ideas are relevant, but feel free to pitch whatever. 
Um, so it honestly it varies. Uh, it, it's the same with character design. Like if it's one of our planeswalkers, it needs to be on model and look like him or her. Uh, on the other hand, if it's some random Volchok, don't show me the same one in the style guide. Like you do absolutely not that. Like I need you to extrapolate and design your own thing. So it's just all all spectrum depending on on the card needs. But what I can tell you is, um, I honestly believe. The better part of art direction is knowing when to shut up and let mm -hmm. people do their best work. So I, you know, we absolutely really, really strive to give people as much possible freedom to do what they do um, because it's important to me that you know, if you're working with me, I want you to know that I hired you for what you do and that's what I want you to do. Like it was not an accident. It's not because you were just available. It's because I want you to bring what you do to the game and I'm going to shut up and let you do that as much as I possibly can. Right. Um, I think there are two different kinds of specificity when it comes to um, art briefs. One is IP detail, like um, working on the Star Wars games. <laughs> uh, I have questions like, all right, uh, Rebel Troopers from A New Hope in the first scene, do they have buttons on their shirts? It, and I have to go to the movie and, and watch it screen by screen to see if there are buttons on those shirts. Because it, it, you know, it's important to be exact when it comes to ID, IP detail. However, um, I try very, 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 very hard not to compose the piece for you. So composition, not so specific. That's where I want you to bring your your creativity and your storytelling. And that's a lot where you know the the process of thumbnails and sketches comes in because then we can, you know, work that together. But IP details really have to be followed. We, we can't really uh, sort of make up, make those things up. If there's there's only one way to do a, a an X-wing, and that's that's not me. That's Lucasfilm, right? Like, yeah. Um, for us, what we usually do for the art descriptions are we give you a certain certain <clears throat> sorry certain uh, things that the piece have, absolutely needs to have. Mm -hmm. And then after that, you know, just bring your own little style to it and your creativity to it. And if it's really awesome, then you may sometimes use your piece and just kind of maybe work the words around it. If it's like, if it wasn't exactly what we wanted, but it was so cool that we kind of changed words around it. Yeah. So. And, and I think too, if you get a brief and you go, hmm, I'm not quite sure what the, the, essence of the, 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 the necessary points of this are, and you get a couple different ideas. Um, you could ask your art director, that, that's what they're there for, but you could also um, just rough in a few thumbs and say, you know, these are the different takes I took away from this, which one do you prefer? Because your AD might be like, oh wow, yeah, no, I hadn't thought of it that, yeah. that way, that's great, let's go with that one. On D&D, because um, a lot of times the descriptions originate with the writer or the producer of the product, um, the descriptions can be all right. across the board. Um, Four cameras. Yeah, and and we we try to distill them down, but sometimes it's just like, oh, this the artist needs time, so okay. But um, so if you if if I send you something and and it doesn't make sense, absolutely ask. Ask why did you why do you want this why is this like this? But also, um, if 
even if I give you a specific scene and you go, you know what would be really cool though, is if instead of him being around a corner, if he was on a rooftop and was jumping down on the person instead of, you know, tackling them from around a corner, you know, send me the, the rough. Send me the rough and say, okay, this is what you asked for, but this is what I'd really like to do. And almost inevitably, we go with the more interesting, active one. Oh, also, yes. with that, um, along those lines, um, if you're working for a game, of course, there's mechanics behind it. So, I mean, if, if it would help you to know the mechanic of the thing you are illustrating, so, so you can know if it's a... Yeah. Then ask. I mean, it might not be something that people think to include, but if it would help you, ask the person who's there to provide you with tools. About how long, like, what's your deadlines for each piece that you guys do? That's easy. We say, how long will it take you? And then we can cut it in half. Let me just jump in on this one really fast. The deadlines vary. And uh, a lot depends on what the product is, what the product production schedule is, how many pieces we've got, uh, how big they are. Um, my goal is usually to have six to nine weeks as part of our as part of our process. Um, but sometimes it's as short as a week. Sometimes it's as short as three days. Uh, I a lot of my a lot of my online art that I use with like um, I can't get my contracts done fast enough by the time I even need my heart in. Okay. That's how fast I need these things sometimes. So it, it really it really varies. And and uh, something you should know too is that we're in the middle of a long process that involves a chain of different people. Very, very, very rarely do we originate the need for art ourselves within the art department. Like Sarah <laughs> and I, um, we, we can't really do the art until the game is designed. Mm -hmm. And there's usually already a scheduled like release date, which means that things have to go to the printer at a certain time because printing has a set amount of time and shipping has a set amount of time and we usually end up getting whatever's left over in between. It's so a snow, if, it's the snowball to hell ride. Right. Yeah. So so if things pile up, sometimes, you know. And it's so, usually the art that um, is the most less time. When like, oh, you can... Yeah. yeah. So... Um, Sometimes uh, due dates get jerked around a little bit, or um, sometimes. Often. <laughs> In in the the database I was talking about, when I pick someone, put them in the database, we have tick boxes for lines and then specialties. So. Um, Can you forward that database to us? Yeah, I know. That's what I'm we want to talk about this. Yeah, no, and that's a. Uh, I mean, for myself, when I meet artists, I have this little mental database that I tick off in there and say, okay, this person's really good on humanoids. This person's really good on creatures. Uh, this person's awesome in environment or architecture or whatnot. So I, I, I actually like folks who give me kind of a specialization. You know, the generalists are awesome. You know, if they can do everything well, that's great. Uh, just because you can do everything doesn't Pinch mean hitters. it's good. Yeah. Uh, but the guys who can do everything is awesome. But I like the guys who really say, you know, and I even like guys who 
who really specify it. So you're saying not just humanoids, but I do undead, creepy, crawly, slimy things. Awesome. Mm -hmm. Great. You are on my list. And every time I get one, I guess who I call. I call Mr. Creepy, Crawly, Slimy Guy. So. <laughs> the orc folk. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I certainly work with specialists. Uh, that there, there are people that I will give artifacts to or lands to that, that uh, not only I would I not give a, a human or a humanoid to, but will tell me, like, you know. And, and that's an important part of it, too. Like, I, you know, I've got guys that based on their... And our, at Magic, our art development cycle is a consistent seven weeks. Um, and there are seven of them a year because that's all that will fit in a year. You're so jealous. Uh, <laughs> uh, it, it, so things do hit the fan sometimes, and we have a crack house on fire situation. But, <laughs> yeah. but that's not the norm for us. We're, we're lucky in that, in, uh, in that way we have machinery set up. But... Uh, um, I forgot what I was talking about. Oh, uh, you know, the, based on that, the the time frame to to uh, create a piece, I do have guys that are just like, listen, I I can do one piece away for you, and that's that's it. So just one, and that is much better than you know taking on just whatever it is, whether it's I can't draw hands, or I don't want to draw monsters, or some people have subject matter quirks, like don't give me dark stuff. I don't want to uh, just be honest with that stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, don't don't get it and hate it and then half-ass it and turn it in. That's that's frowny. We want you to, at least for my goal, is to give uh, something fun. Because usually if someone's enjoying what they're doing, you get a much, much better painting. So if you hate it, let us know. You're up front. Um, just out of curiosity, what is some of the weirdest or just some of the artwork you've gotten just you ask, why did you submit this to me? Crayons. I got an entire collection of crayon drawings once. No, no, it was they just drew the stuff with crayons, put them into a manila folder, mailed it to me with a very long three look page. Manifesto. Uh, manifesto telling me how much they adore and love D and D. And that was, yeah. Oh, by the way, there was no name. No it's because I was embarrassed, John. <laughs> I uh, got a bunch of um, very, very explicit um, naked fairies humping dragons. <laughs> when I mean a bunch, I mean like 80. And are they in the database? No. Oh, I did put my name on those. <laughs> So, yeah. Uh, mm. Yeah, yeah. So, like, I, I, I got a. Did you look at the website? It was that other page. Yeah, and I got a submission where this woman took her newborn baby and just kind of dressed it in dragons and fairies and kind of an and goddess kind of thing. And I was like, wow, that's great. That's, thank you. Thank <laughs> you. Um, I would probably say that uh, it was a portfolio full of uh, naked car babes, like nice. like the airbrushed ones that go on bands and things. Oh god! And that was. Yeah. I've seen so much crap. I can't. Yeah. <laughs> and apparently, so too, so yeah. <laughs> that's, that's very funny to me. <laughs> you can't really, time. Uh, you can't really say something like that. 
reasonable and considerate uh, <laughs> amount of time, as, assuming that one has the things, the prerequisites that you've listed out in general, maybe, what's a reasonable uh, and non-harassment length of time to wait to resubmit a portfolio? Don't resubmit, show new stuff. Yes. Yeah. No, no, no. Yeah, that's, that was the first thing I was going to say is, people always ask me, you know, how often should I send you new samples? And I say, send me a new sample every time you get better. Yeah. Not every time you do a piece of work, but every time you get better. Because if you just keep sending me the same stuff, if you didn't get a phone call from the first piece you sent me, and the next piece you sent me is the same quality, and the next piece is the same, is the same quality, can you explain to me why you think I would give you a call now? Only send me a piece when you've gotten better. And that goes back to being able to see your own work. <laughs> yeah. Now, on the flip side of that, if you've gotten work for me, and you're getting work for me, and, you've got, and you're doing some cool new stuff, and you're doing stuff outside of what you typically do, awesome, send me a piece. You don't have to necessarily get better. I have a guy who sends me a piece like every three months. And it's just because, hey, John, I'm doing this whole new project. I'm completely out of my typical style. Just want to show you what I'm doing so mm -hmm. you have an understanding of how the breadth of my work is changing now. That's awesome. I like seeing that, too. But make sure you're at that quality level before you start doing that because you don't want like I said, there's nothing worse than having your name attached to the guy who sends me the same crap all the time and never gets any better because after a while, I see their name on the email, and I instantly assume that's what's going to come out. Yeah. And you don't want to be associated to that. So um, I'd like to know a little bit more about your jobs. Um, let's say that the, uh, there's a new project. It's role-playing. Yay. Uh, the mechanics are good. It's about 200 pages, and it's text. What happens? How are decisions made? Stuff broken out? Depends. Yeah, it really depends. But let's let's just play. We'll play a game then. Um, in our our process, in the D and D process, what happens is we sit down with our producer, and we talk a little bit about the product, and we find out what the brand direction is, and what the brand directives are, and what the business goals are, and who the sales channel is, and who all the customers are. You can start to get the point right. Um, and then we start talking about what the themes are, and what's the look and feel we want to do in the product. And then I usually run over and grab one of my intrepid art directors, and they, they beat me profusely about the head for not letting them know earlier about the project. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then uh, we, have, we have that same conversation, and then we start collecting together what we think is going to be our dream team for artists. And then they start cold calling, left or right, and saying, hi, I have this really insane deadline, because I just came, John just came to me and said, can you get this done in four weeks? You should hear what they say behind my back. <laughs> I don't want to hear what they Four say behind weeks, my back. Really? No, I, I hardly ever, hardly ever. Sometimes I do. Kate hates me. <laughs> uh, you know, and then we they start finding that dream team, and they pull them together and they do all the paperwork, and that's the most unglamorous part of our job is all the paperwork. I probably spend sixty to seventy percent of my time doing paperwork in my job. I do about twenty to thirty percent of it actually doing art. And so if you think it's a wonderful... What kind of paperwork? Uh, all the legal contracts, all the... the database. Yeah, all the database entry stuff. There, all the, blah, there are blah, magical blah. technologies now. Uh, yet not at our company. Oh. Yeah, not at our company. <laughs> That's why you said, you said database. I'm like, database? There's electronic contracts are the best thing ever oh, yeah, in the have, entire world. Yeah, we have those. Click. They take, Done. Not for us. 
Anyway, John so, is speaking hypothetically as to how funny it would be if wizards did not have said database. <laughs> but of course we do. Yes, we have many yes. databases. <laughs> yes. None of which talk to each other. None of which talk to each other. <laughs> yes. yes. Our problem is with abundance, not lack of technology. <laughs> just lack of good technology. <laughs> yeah. We just have too much of it. Anyway, so, you know, um, and, and a lot of our work is then at that point we do a lot of back and forth with our R&D counterpoints because uh, our process is pretty simple. Well, pretty simple. It's simple in the sense of we get the art in, uh, we do the art commissioning, we get our sketches in, we get our roughs in, we drop them into a database, stocking of databases, uh, us and R&D, and uh, sometimes brand for covers and stuff, get in there and we make our comments about it. We kick back and forth, we bounce, we scream, we go back and tell R&D they're fools and hit them on the head, and then they usually win. Uh, and then uh, we'll go into finals, do the same game, and then we get the art in, and then lots of other fun stuff happens. But Kate, do you want to add any magic to that? Because there's lots of magic that you do. No, the only thing that I was going to add is, um, as far as you know, your 200-page book, how much art is in that book is part of a, a formula that in, in our company, how much, how much art per page is. So it's, I don't 15%. 15%. So you know that you have a certain number of pages of art, and then how we split that up, whether it's quarter pages or full pages or page and a half, you know, <clears> that, that kind of comes into play with how many chapters there are. And, and so we break things down a little bit before we get our dream team. But that was kind of it. <clears throat> sure. Well, um, for us, it's a little bit different because um, the art team is me and that guy right there. So we usually do um, we do the art direction and we all do the graphic. We do the graphic design. So crazy. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> yes. Um, so we are in constant contact with the um, designers and developers, and the start is usually, hey, Sarah, we're going to do this book. How long do you think it's going to take? I don't know. I haven't finished the last one yet. So, um, and it's usually, you know, the, the designers and developers are usually the ones that come up with what they, the format of the book they want, they want to do, and then they give us um, some time to think of, like, you know, who, who we should get for that, and then, because since we also do the layout, we kind of, kind of mentally think of how we want the book to look as well. Um, for, for us, we do a lot of projects at once. Sometimes we do 80 SKUs worth of stuff at a time. Um, so, or basically like 80 projects simultaneously. So I have a, a manager who sort of has the overall view um, and we have a team of other um, art directors who are also working in parallel. And so based on the the release and, and development schedule will get assigned projects. Um, at which point when we get assigned that project, we'll sit down with the, the game's designer and figure out what they need. And um, they primarily are responsible for writing descriptions, but uh, we always rewrite them. So we figure out what, you know, what they want and then we rewrite them so they make sense in, in, in art, from an art standpoint. Um, and then the individual art director sits down and makes their um, sort of art solicitation list based on style, etc. And that's usually when most scouting happens, trying to, to fill out the list. 
and then we'll send everyone. Is your cold call? Do you guys do physical cold calling? Sometimes. Uh, on the sometimes calls, sometimes emails. Yeah, because I usually send out sort of a, a mass recruitment email to everyone who I've selected to, to um, invite to the project, um, and then the, you know you wait for response, and then comes um, I like to think of it as Sudoku, because you have so in a in a in a set of cards, I'll have 120 illustrations sometimes. Lord of the Rings is 190-ish, um, and I'll have a number of, of, of artists with all their portfolios. And then you have to make sure that everyone who you ask to be on at least gets one piece. Everyone who responded get, gets one piece. Everyone's working to their strengths. There aren't any pieces left over. It takes about two days. It's, it's actually really complicated. Um, and then it's sketches, finals. Uh, revisions, and once everything's in and approved, I, um, since we mostly do licensing stuff, I have to, like if you're working on Star Wars things, you have to send all your pieces to uh, Lucasfilm for them to give it their IP blessing. Um, so once all that happens, which is a really, really long process, um, then we send it off to graphic design and see it again in nine months when it gets published. Uh, we work so differently from that, I kind of don't have a relevant answer. Okay. I mean, it's magic's weird. <laughs> <laughs> it is its own beast. That's always an interesting question, too. Yeah, art direction is kind of like being a mascot at a theme park. It kind of just happens to you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, for myself, I actually started off in photography. That was where I, I got my gig uh, 35-plus years ago. Um, I started off there, went into graphic design, went into illustration, went into 3D, uh, 3D um, design and modeling and animation, and just uh, pottery I had a really wide thing. I ended up getting uh, headhunted from an ad agency uh, from by Wizards to, to start running their, doing their website. And that was kind of how I broke into it. And uh, it's for me, it was a really long, winding path. And I was just kind of more of a creature who happened to be in the right spot at the right times. And somebody said, hey, can you do this? And I went, no, but I'll try. And, uh, you know, I was you know I was around for the advent of, of the interwebs when nobody knew what the hell it was and how to fix it, except for they had a bunch of guys who knew how to code things and said, "I can make pretty pictures." And I went, "Oh, that looks like crap." Here, let me show you how to do something better. Um, and that's how I kind of got into that game. And so it, it's always been a, for me. It's always been a matter of spending more time learning about what's going on out in the world and trying to figure that stuff out so I could be in the right place at the right time. Uh, so that's how it led me into my positions. It was more happenstance than saying, I have this career journey that I want to do, and I want to get this training and this training and this training so I can be an art director. I was really kind of surprised when somebody said, do you want to be an art director? I was really kind of surprised when somebody said, do you want to be a creative director? It just kind of happened, um, and that, it was really organic for me. I, um, I have an art degree. Uh, from a college that doesn't believe in illustration. Um, 
and actively discouraged it. Uh, and so by the time I got to my senior seminar, which was surviving in the art world and was kind of about gallery politics and uh, edgy contemporary art and, you know, getting a urinal and calling it art, I just, I, I basically vowed never to have anything to do with art ever again. And I, <laughs> and I um, started, I was actually a substitute um, EBD teacher for a long time, which EBD kids are emotionally and behaviorally, behaviorally delayed, so it's the bad kids. I was the bad kids substitute teacher, so you know, cut yourself and jump in the shark tank. Um, which surprisingly, that ended up being a lot more a lot more relevant to our direction than. <laughs> uh, yeah, actually, pretty serious about it. That it was actually uh, just figuring out. It's true. You're all just terrible. No. Uh, <laughs> okay, the thing about the bad kids is that they just don't. You have to figure out how they learn in order to explain to them what's going on. And once they can figure it out, then they sort of calm down and, and they're fine. Uh, and I think a lot of artists are like that. Like you can't play charades with an artist and just do the same gesture over and over again and expect them to give you what you need. You have to be able to figure out how, how they think. Um, anyway, so uh, I was a gamer. And I live in the city, in the Twin Cities in Minnesota. And uh, one day, my my the leader of my gaming group was like, "Hey, uh, Zoe, you're you're sort of unemployed right now. Like, yeah, like, Fantasy Flight Games is looking for an art director." I was like, "Oh, that's great. I hope they get someone good. Like, you should you should sign up for that." No, I, I and they actually they made me. Uh, so I had a friend make me turn in uh, my resume, and I got the job. So. It was. <laughs> so I got dragged back into art. Um, I went to art school and I thought I wanted to be an illustrator, but then I was like, that's really hard. How do you get to be an illustrator? How do you get somebody to pay you for illustrating things? I just thought, I have no idea how to do that. So I'm going to focus on graphic design, and um, that's what I did. And after I graduated, I went to work for a department store as a graphic designer, actually as a sign maker, letterpress printing, um, at Nordstrom. And then I started doing collateral design for them, and I was there for a long time, and then I got laid off. And I started working for a, a graphic design temp agency and they called me one day and they said can you be in Renton tomorrow morning at 9 o'clock and I said sure. I got my portfolio and I drove down and um, a gentleman met me in the lobby and he said um, I'll show you where your computer is and I'm like I've got my portfolio <laughs> <laughs> and, and he's like I'll show you where you're going to sit. And and so I started working on a Looney Tunes card game. And then um, a few months later, John offered me a job uh, as a on-staff graphic designer, but I had to wait until my trip to Paris was done because Wizards didn't want to pay for my vacation time. And so when I came back from vacation, I started permanently and worked my way from being graphic designer into being an art director 
because there was a lot of overlap at that time where we don't have an art director to work on this project, but if you could manage all of that stuff too and design it and then... Did not get the pay, by the way, no. Not then, but I did get to go to Italy, so that was good. Yay. <laughs> but, yeah, that's how I came into it. Uh, my background is in freelance illustration. I was uh, one of the last remaining watercolorists. Um, I did that for the better part of a decade. Uh, then an in-house position opened up at Wizards as lead concept artist for Magic, so I applied for that and uh, kind of won that position. And then within eight months, uh, the last art director left, and they're like, we don't have an art director. Do you want to do it? I was like, probably not, but I don't want to see some other asshole do it. So, <laughs> so I'm art director now. <laughs> Every time you talk, I just expect you to... <laughs> if I could smoke in here, it would, I would be smoking right now. Um, well, my position kind of fell into me as well. Um, I'm primarily a graphic designer, and graphic designer still. I do, we do, I do a bunch of layouts for Pathfinder and stuff. But I started out as a graphic designer for um, doing game layouts for Nintendo Power, and then that that got really. Um, annoying, so I quit that, and then I just kind of um, applied for a graphic design position at Paizo. And then, since Paizo is so small, um, our then our director quit and said they came to me and was like, "Well, you're our director now." So I'm like, "Okay, uh, all right, <laughs> that's awesome." And then that's how I just came into it. So as you can see, that's it's really easy to chart your path. To become an art director, right. just be at the wrong spot at the wrong time. Yeah. And I'll just come and say, you want to be an art director, right? It makes you feel like it's a really gracious position when people have to foist it upon you. Yeah. <laughs> In the back of the black shirt. Um, I'm a graphic designer. Um, and I know you all are graphics too. And, um, my question is, what is it about a graphic design portfolio versus an illustration portfolio that you look for? Uh, for myself, when I'm looking at graphic design, the, the big thing is, uh, for me, when people often want to show me their graphic design portfolios, they tend to fall into two camps. They tend to fall into, hi, I'm corporate USA America, or I am so utterly and completely fantasy related that I, I do every cliche known to mankind. So when I'm looking at a portfolio as a graphic designer, what I'm looking for is somebody who can bring the idea of saying, I understand what D&D is, I understand your fantasy, I understand your this, and, but I want to take the given tropes and give them something new and give them something fresh. So when I'm looking at for graphic design, I want to see that somebody understands how to deal with look and feel of fantasy without giving me the traditional stuff that I see every time over and over and over ad nauseum. And trust me, everybody else is out there has seen it over and over and over and figure out how to do it in a fresh new way. And so if you can show me those things, that's, that's a winning combination for me because that shows me that, A, you've got skills, hand skills, which is important to me. But more importantly, it shows me you've got brain skills. Um, and that's even for illustration too, because there's a lot of guys out there who have the technical hand skills to create things. And they could say, yes, show me a reference and I can do it over and over and over. But often what I'm doing is I'm looking for somebody who can take that reference and take it to the next step. So whether it's an illustrator or a graphic designer, I'm looking for somebody who can take the known and take it into the realm of new and fresh. 
I, this is going to sound ridiculous, but I <laughs> I equate it to uh, good restaurant branding. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, something that's been around forever and can be really tried and trite and tired. And uh, when you see uh, something new that is really interesting on that level without being too challenging of like, you know, it, yes, it's food, it's food, but, you know, uh, here's an interesting menu for once. You know, that's kind of, <laughs> no, that sounds stupid. But. No, it sounds right. I know our, our graphic designers do a lot of, um, almost illustrative stuff. If you look at our card templates, there's a lot of filigree and intricate things. And so I know our head of GD looks for somebody who can um, build uh, build things like that. Who has has the the skills to do that. But beyond that, I really can't speak to that question because I just forward it to him. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, I'm. I look for strong technical skills, awesome Photoshop. You have to, for, to work for our company, you have to know everything about Photoshop. And even if you know everything, you're going to come there and somebody's going to teach you something. Um, super strong illustrator skills. Um, that's kind of, kind of a given. Like, you have to be the very top. Um, and then... Um, bringing those skills together and, like John was saying, making making fantasy that looks new and not bright and shiny new, but but cooler, better, stronger. Yeah. We don't get a lot of fantasy portfolios, by the way, when we're looking at designers. We, we have to extrapolate a lot because there aren't a lot of people who specif are specifically in that kind of genre. Well, for me, since I am still a graphic designer, <laughs> um, right now it's I, I trying to look for um, someone who can bring a fresh layout to what is going on right now. Because when I started, you know, the the books were just walls of text, and to me that is very boring. Especially for me, when coming from straight from Nintendo, where everything's like all flashy and bright. I, was, I just thought that was just, I'm like, people actually read this stuff? <laughs> so, I mean, you know, um, for us, it's basically just, you know, fresh layouts, um, know your programs, and don't use Bevel and Drop Shadow for every single thing. <laughs> so, yeah, that's it. Now, this is such a happy debate, so I'm but I was wondering if there was an industry preference in the traditional versus digital sort of... Yes, there is. There is. Yeah, it's whichever one works. Yep. Mm -hmm. We don't care as long as you get it in. Super don't care. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and sometimes um, if, I, if I don't... If I haven't worked with you before, or I, you don't have much of a body of work and you only do traditional... I'll be a little scared because sometimes we have, well, often, every time, usually we have uh, sort of revisions that can sometimes be pretty extreme because we're used to working with digital artists who can make extreme revisions um, at any stage. And if you can't do that in your traditional medium, then then that's not meeting an expectation. Um, but if you can do it, it's traditional, that's awesome. That's it. I actually still work in a traditional workflow, 
So I try and make it so that even if you're working digital, you don't have to do that. Because I don't believe that should ever be the process. I got masters, yeah. man. I got masters too, and I beat them up. Yeah. But um, no, for me, that question comes up all the time. And for me, <coughs> the way I look at it, because I, I come from an illustration background, it's just a tool. Whether you choose to use oils or acrylics or watercolor or a Suma tablet or a Waka tablet or a Cintiq, they're all just tools. For me, the biggest thing is when I'm working in the fantasy industry, it has a rich history of traditional illustration. Mm -hmm. So when I'm looking for art, what I'm looking for art is I'm looking for people who, whether you're painting traditionally or whether you're painting digitally, you bring that methodology and you bring that ethos into your digital painting. You know, I love it when I have to look at a guy sometimes and say, is this digital or is this traditional? I love that stuff. Mm -hmm. um, that's not a necessity for me, but what I do hate is when your tool becomes relevant to me. When your tool jumps into my face. If you're using blur, yeah. are you using drop shadow, are you using any filter of, of any type, and I can see it, I do not want that. That breaks it for me. If you have to have something that blurs, great. You know, you have this tool, it's called a pen, you can actually paint so that it looks like it's been blurred. You don't have to use a blur tool. You know, I, I despise when it's, again, when it gets right in my face, what the tool is. I mean, this was even traditional. I used to have a guy, I loved his work, and he did this very painterly knife work, and it was beautiful, and it was gestural, and it was wonderful. But at some point in his career, he got to the point where his knife work became more prevalent than the content itself, to the point where I was just looking at the marks, and I wasn't even seeing the content anymore, and I had to stop working with him. He was traditional, but his tool became more relevant than the content, and that's a bad thing. I'm always assume, if you're working digitally, that um, your art director also knows the programs that you're using and can see when, you know, you use a photo and throw a filter over it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, sometimes I know Photoshop better than my artists think I do, and that usually gets a sardonic email reply. Um, and some artists, if you're working traditionally, make sure that your art director knows what, after you've gotten an approved sketch, make sure your art director knows where you're going with the color. Mm -hmm. um, because, you know, every once in a while I'll get something like um, there was a monster in a cave and the artist decided that it would be really cool that if this blood-covered monster had magenta light coming in from behind it. And so the magenta and the red and the blue of the cave and, and it just was like super jarring and I'm like, can you change that? Like, where did that come from? Um, and because he worked, worked digitally, of course, he changed it right away. But if he was doing watercolor, it would be like, okay, I'll start over now. You know, just make sure that you're, you communicate more if you're mm -hmm. working traditionally. Yeah, my question was, what sizes do you require or suggest for different things like a spot illustration, a cover, let's say the illustration behind you, if you intend to enlarge it or reduce it, do you have detail preferences or um, photo, you know, to, to send it digitally to you to get a good reference point? What do you prefer? When we commission art, um, Usually, we don't know if somebody's going to want to use it like this when we're commissioning it. 
uh, we're commissioning it for a book or a game, and there are certain sizes that are specified for the game. Um, so if I'm doing a quarter page, it's going to be three and a quarter by 4.9 inches tall and 300 DPI. Or if it's traditional, you know, you send the original or you scan it in and, and it's that size of 300 DPI. Um, and then we we take it from there and, and hopefully people aren't making huge banners mm -hmm. out of them after that. Um, and, and, of course, cover is done larger. We, we pretty much do the, the original size that we want. You can work as big as you want as long as what you turn into us is proportional. Is that, yeah, yeah, and that's, I mean, for us, we, we specify what we're going to do. I mean, uh, the thing that Kay was talking about was one of the things that we do is if I'm working with, for marketing art, so like I knew these guys were going to be used as big, so when I commissioned this stuff, I commissioned it, I said, I need you to be able to make this two feet by two feet so that when I take it up this where it actually only prints at 72 DPI or 45 DPI depending on what the, the large format printer is, I knew it was going to work fine. Um, so we try and think about how it's going to be used. We don't always think, we don't always get it right. Sometimes we're having to res things up, which I hate to do because it starts to break down a little bit, but uh, there, you know, there's tools out there that make it happen. So we try and give you that stuff, try and give you that information up front. Um, the other thing is that, uh, and it just went right out of my head. Oh well, it's gone. See ya. Bye. Uh, usually, when we give out briefs, when we give out our descriptions, the the printed at size will be, uh, and I try to give the print size when I'm even just soliciting artists in the first thing. You know, I've got pieces that'll be printed at approximately blah blah blah. So when you get your brief, it'll tell you the print size. And then usually we request twice print size, the the, fi the file, at minimum twice, <coughs> twice print size, 300 DPI, CMYK. CMYK is important. I've had so many artists, especially um, doing uh, like effects with blue light, and, and get this really cool glow, and it's amazing, yeah, it's and then you switch to CMYK, and all the magic goes away. Uh, so make sure you check your CMYK to make sure what you're painting is actually what's going to get printed. Yep. Yeah, the same. I mean, yeah, we, we primarily do most of our stuff for books. So um, we give you a set size because, you know, we have to make page count and everything. So we give you um, a set size and then whatever, you know, size. We generally want something that's bigger than the print size. So we, if we do use it for something else, it, it doesn't lose uh, the image when we blow it up and stuff like that. It's width times height. Yeah. I have. <laughs> it's width times height. Yes, I send a lot of dimensions out, and people give me, you know, give four by four by threes or something, and get verticals. <laughs> so, so make sure when you get your dimensions that you you it's width times height. You don't want to have to recompose. Or sometimes they get interesting because we had a we had a, a big joke there for a little bit because we had a guy who was doing a piece of art that was about this big at, at print and uh, he sent in his originals and we ran around with them oh. for about two weeks because they came in five feet tall. They were almost life size. They were almost life size. They were awesome. They were stunning, but we were like even our guys our guys in the imaging department were like, uh, how the hell are we going to capture this? We don't have a scanner this big. 
you know. <laughs> so it was a little bit of a challenge when we Throw figured it out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was a standee all by itself. So it was not a bad thing, by the way. It was just a fun thing. He actually turned around and sold the originals for a, a, a tidy sum of money. So he was actually thinking ahead versus just <laughs> because that's a, with our contracts, the artists keep the originals. And so he was thinking from the idea of what's my resale value on this going to be uh, versus just what's my pay for this little bitty piece going to be. So just something to think about. In the way back. All over the world. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and yeah. in fact, um, language becomes a funny, a funny thing. We've got, you know, when I first started, and I didn't realize that there was an ESL thing going on. I asked for a ship with a ram on the front, and I got a ship with a ram on the front because it, I was commissioning from a, a nun. Uh, in English as a second language. I hate to tell person. you this, that's what I would have painted too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, me too. Yeah, but, I, you know, you. Uh, yes, all languages, all countries. I don't think I have anyone in South Africa right now. Now, for uh, for concept art, sometimes it does behoove you to be local. It's it's the same reason most uh, concept artists that are heavily embedded in the, the film industry are actually in or around LA. Um, convenience can play a role in concept art yeah. um, but so far as freelance uh, between FedEx and email no one cares yes so it sounds like you guys do work for you know thumbnails and sketches and then are you guys able to say are you, is there, it sounds like there's padding because you got it in the final image back and then it either wasn't right along with the licensing or whatever, you have to send it back. I guess how much how much time do you guys build in, or are you expecting the artist to kind of show you their progress? I'm, ex I'm expect I'm expecting artists. I will tell them, I want sketches on this date. I want finals on this date. I want your head on this date. I don't actually. I don't build in time. I don't have enough time to build in time. If my final is this date and you don't miss that date. At that point, you're now impacting my livelihood. And you're impacting life, your livelihood. Now, can I go and rush to my, my makers and say, I'm gonna get this piece of art a week late. How can I sit here and slow down these other steps so it doesn't impact my release date? Sometimes I can do that. Sometimes I can't. Sometimes when the artist misses their date, I have to just say, I'm sorry, but I'll never work with you again. <laughs> you know, when it's just, it, you know and sometimes when I make changes, I'm making changes at the expense of the rest of the pipeline. It's, you, there is no padding. Mm -hmm. Please remember this. A final deadline is a final deadline. They call it deadline. They don't call it a kind of line or a maybe line or a could be line. It's called a deadline because it means after that point, somebody's dead. Um, when I turn over my briefs to the artist, um, I don't, I don't say my sketch is due on that day. I say my sketch needs to be approved by that date. So you need to turn in your sketch previous to that so that it can go through the approval process by that date. My final is approved by that date, not turn it in that morning or turn it in at midnight that night. It's, it's gone through the process, and 
and it's ready to go to imaging on that day. So. For, for licensed projects, um, like uh, Lord of the Rings, Middle-earth Enterprises right now is really clogged up with uh, the Hobbit movies. So doing Lord of the Rings the card game uh, will send in you know, finals for their blessing, and you know, sometimes they take longer. So things that are outside of the company's power and are outside of the artist's power, um, then ahead of time we'll let artists know that if it's not their fault, <laughs> that they can have an extension, but it's not, that's, that's on the, the company to tell the artist and not on the artist to tell the company. Yeah, I mean, deadline's a deadline, that's all I have to say. Yep. <laughs> I just have a question about production. After you guys have everything all, you know, set together and you send it out, is it usually like a digital print medium or just offset logo or, and does that affect like the work that you're receiving? Like the, the final production process. At Wizards, we use tons of different processes. It just depends on what the product is. We do uh, we don't do a lot of digital, except in our marketing stuff. Most of our stuff is offset, um, but I mean, we do lots of different mediums. So we'll print on the paper, we'll print on the board, we'll print on the foil, we'll print on well, we don't print on the foil anymore after the email I got yesterday. But Walmart says no more foil, no more UV, no more no more gloss. Interesting. I love how Walmart is so powerful. Um, but the uh, so we print onto all kinds of substrates, all kinds of materials, and for me, it affects when I when I look at art. Um, I have to take into mind how it's going to be printed because, especially if I've got a if I've got gloss going over, you know, UV gloss going over top of it, it's going to be a matte surface that really affects how uh, saturated my colors are going to be, how dense my darks get. Um, you know, if you've got a, an image that's overall dark and you throw it onto a matte cover, yes, we know this all too well. Look, it's one big muddy mess. Um, so yeah, that does come into play for us, but where we often play with it, you know, we try to dress up our, our illustrators to a degree, but then we also have some back-end control on it with our imaging department. We can go in and say, okay, here's this thing. We need to open up the mid-tones. We need to open up the shadows, whatnot. And so we can to toy with it some there too. Um, it's it's our graphic design department that usually worries about that graphic design and production. Um, if there are special requirements, they'll be bundled into your brief. Uh, so in in general, issues of production, I, I don't want my artists worrying about. I just want them to give me awesome art. For me, I mean, Star Wars, Lord of the Rings, Game of Thrones. So fan art probably shows me that you can follow a, a, a license. So. <laughs> yeah, and for me, it's just it goes back to again researching the content. Um, if you're doing fan art of one of my properties, awesome. If you're doing fan art for Capcom, I don't want to see it because it has nothing to do with my brand. And it doesn't, it's not relevant to me. So I, as far as whether it's fan art or not, I mean, an illustration is an illustration. 
if if you're doing it because you're a fan of something, or whether you're doing it because you're doing it for work, what's the bloody difference? You're ending up with an illustration if you have great hand skills. You have great hand mm -hmm. skills. You know, I've done. Trust me, my one of the pieces that got me that was in my portfolio that got me into Wizards of the Coast. They called it my geek portfolio. They were just they loved it because I came in there with. I came in the illustration of Wolverine. Did it have anything to do with Wizards of the Coast? No, but it was just in my side portfolio because I was like, here's my graphic design stuff, and oh, by the way, I also do illustration, and I also do this, and here's it. And they were like, Wolverine, awesome, that rocks. And we spent 20 minutes talking about my stupid Wolverine illustration, <laughs> not about any of my graphic design. I thought it was dead meat right there, but I actually got the job, so I don't care if it's a fan art or not. I have certainly hired people that I found on, on our own art and artist forums. And yesterday we did a portfolio review for a guy that I was like, hey, I feel like I've seen this before uh, online. And he was like, that's that's a, a reimagining of this card that I did. You know, it, it's a reimagining of a magic card uh, for my, my senior project. And then I saw another one and I was like, what was this for? And it, it was the same thing. So I bought them from him <laughs> to use on magic cards. So it can it can work out. Yeah, and for us, we have um, certain iconic characters in our game, and it's really helpful if you really want to work for Pathfinder or anybody that to draw some draw what your the company's iconic characters, and so we can see exactly see how you bring your style into our um, game is really really helpful. Because, you know, once you get a job from us, you're probably going to draw that iconic like over and over and over again. So it's really helpful. Okay, I've got a question then for the group. So I'm a brand new illustrator. I brought you my portfolio. You loved it. I don't like it. Do it again. No, too late. You're, I already said you liked it. You, you gave me a job. I got a job. I got my first piece. Project's over. What now? What do I do to get that next piece? What do I do to keep? Well, the first piece is what gets you the next piece. Yeah. Like honestly, that that is that is the horrible reality of freelance illustration. Every job you do gets you either more work or less work. Um, so if you have a question, like we, we try to, I, uh, and it sounds like you're working with a, a huge stable at a time yeah. as well, but like I'm working with a hundred people at a time around the world, all in that same art wave. And uh, I, I, if you're new, especially, I try to do the follow-up. Typically, it's a no news is good news sort of thing. Like if I have to contact you, it's because I need a revision, which means one of us screwed up. Because like right. John, I do not want to have any feedback at final. Like, I, either I failed the illustrator at sketch stage or you screwed me if I have to ask for a revision. Um, so it's a, it's a no news is good news situation. I do try to follow up and give feedback um, with new guys as much as possible. But uh, I, I would say that within a reasonable timeline, like, don't call two hours after you submit the final. Mm -hmm. Like, we have, you would not believe the meeting schedules we have. Like, sometimes it's difficult to get back to even, you know, download the finals, much less open them all and look at them. Um, and start the, the routing process. But, you know, with, within a work week, if you have not heard and you're unsure or you want to follow up, th that's fine. I would suggest emailing. Um, I'm personally kind of grouchy if you catch me on the phone <laughs> and it's not critical. Um, again, because of meeting schedules and trying to, to do right by that many illustrators all at once, um, it, it's it's pretty inconvenient sometimes to, to, uh, to call. But but you should feel free to follow up via email and say, hey, just wanted to 
kind of know your thoughts and if, if there's something I can do better or if you're happy, that would be great. If you can just type me a sentence and let me know what to expect, I would respond fine to that. Yeah, that's kind of my thing too. It's it's the work that speaks for itself and will get you a second job. Mm-hmm. Uh, the For me, one of the most important things is the fact that uh, I, judge a, I judge a first work every time by how they communicate with me, how the process go. Usually the email I send to people after I finish a first project with them is I send them an email saying how the process go for you. Because uh, I'm often worried but more about getting feedback from myself because I'm, I've been doing this for 30 years. You know, At some point you start to forget what to tell new kids. You, sometimes you forget what the, you know, that people don't know everything. You know, That's one of the biggest things I worry about. So I often ask them for input on me. Uh, you'll usually, usually know pretty well real quick if I'm happy or not happy. Like Jeremy, sometimes if I'm, not, if I'm happy, often you won't hear from me for a little while because I'm like, yay, that was awesome. Now let me go deal with the fire that's going yep. on over here that I have. That's a, a nightmare. Yep. Um, uh, but trust me, you'll get a big smile when you see me later. But the, if, you, if something didn't go well and there's a problem, you'll always hear from me then. Because, and I, I try to smile, but I don't usually. So in our fabled database, um, before we <laughs> before uh, before we can hit the button that sends your your uh, payment order to finance, uh, we have to do two drop down number menus. One is quality, and one is process. And it's actually color coded by the, the the number menus. And so all the our directors can see the little sort of cumulative bar on your activity field of what what the experience has been on the past projects. I know, isn't this awesome? <laughs> Sounds uh, incredible. Yeah, like really it's is. color so you don't have to read. <laughs> right. Like, <laughs> well, and, and we're all sitting there so someone will turn around and be like, hey Zoe, what did so-and-so do to make make you give them the, the six there? What'd they do? And then you can tell them more. Um, so, yeah. So, that's, yeah. Your, what they said. The well, your eyes are lighting up. Well, they can make money just selling this to us. I know. Yeah. <laughs> like they've got a robot narc my, on you guys. My first, my first day of work, six years ago, they promised me an artist database. And uh, I was it was just me. There would never been an art department at Fantasy Flight before. I was doing... 40 projects at a time, <laughs> everything by hand, filling out, you know, contracts by hand, and um, and then two years ago, we finally got the database, so it's very new world. I'm dreamy. Yeah. <laughs> so at what point do the artists see money? <laughs> that, that a lot depends on your company. I would like, I, I'm happy to say that Wizards of the Coast is very well known for prompt payment. Mm-hmm. Uh, generally what happens is you send me my final, as soon as I have it approved, I send off an email to purchasing, purchasing, telling them that you're approved for final. You are now, you, the artist, are now the hang-up because they can't send you a check until you send so in your invoice. invoice. As soon as you send in your invoice, usually 10 to 20 days after you send in your invoice, they've cut your check. In now, fact, how long it takes to get to you is more, has more to do with your bank 
your, your, your mail or whatever the delivery case is. At that we, point. we have a weekly report exported telling us if we are holding anyone's payment up. Like, we have pressure from the organization if there are any red flags. Yeah. So, uh, and we get these awful emails that say, your name is on this list. You are red. Please pay immediately. And we're like, okay, damn it. <laughs> the, uh, the database... Uh, the database, uh, each, each, uh, yeah, hold on, we want to hear this. Each illustration is a unit. This is like and art direction once form. once it's completed, you hit the button, and it, I like it automatically generates a, a, a payment order that gets sent to the finance office via email and also CC'd to the artists so they can see. I'm going to get that database. And then, and then the credit information is on the email so they can correct it. You should probably walk out of here. I'm, I'm just like, <laughs> <laughs> I like this. Uh, so, uh, so, can I buy dinner? So usually the trigger, the trigger of being paid, depending on who it is, if it's a smaller company and they, they can't, uh, because usually a company doesn't see um, money for a project unless until it's published. So if a company is younger or smaller and and they might, you'll find this out when you get your contract uh, or when you have your initial discussion, they might not pay you until publication, um, which is just the way things are. Yeah. Uh, bigger companies, though, can pay um, at approval. So. Whenever the trigger is, then there's usually a, a time in which finance has to process things. So there's a trigger, which is usually either approval or publication, and then it's usually 20 to 30 days, and then a check is cut, or whatever the payment options are. Yeah, and so, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> well, for us, well, most of our business is based on uh, subscription, so um, we don't usually pay the artist until that's it's released because that's when the subscription starts and that's when like money from the subscribers come in. But I mean, that how, that was how it used to be, but now we're um, paying um, more on acceptance now instead of uh, mm -hmm. subscribers. But you know, we don't use invoices, we send out a contract and then you need to sign that contract and then send it back to us. And I always get these emails like, well, I haven't gotten paid yet. And like, well, did you send in the contract? And they're like, Oh well, let me check my email again, and then so yeah, it's basically on you to get paid, kind yeah. of. So the, the the best answer is the terms vary. So make sure you read the contract so yeah. you know what to yeah. expect, because yeah. both of those scenarios are prevalent in the industry, whether it's uh, payment upon receipt or payment upon publication. Uh, so just make sure you know what you're getting into and and can budget yourself accordingly. Right. Is this a price question? Yes. $10. Uh, $3.50. So. How hungry do you look? <laughs> so, okay. projects at, um, have certain set costs. We call them fixed costs, which uh, um, getting things printed, factories, shipping, blah, 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 blah. Anyway, there's a budget that's settled out. And, um, Art is a budget on top of that. 
So usually in smaller companies, again, it's the leftover chunk after all the fixed costs can go towards art and development. Even in the bigger companies. Yeah. <laughs> so it comes down to a math formula. What's that, that art chunk divided by the number of pieces you need adjusted for size of the piece kind of thing. So 90% of the time, if someone offers you a, a commission rate, it's because that's the money they have to pay you with and um, not because they're trying to undercut you or want to spur a negotiation. Like if I give a rate, that's the rate I have to author. I'm not authorized uh, to negotiate that rate. So it's on the artist to decide whether, I mean, you can always say no. You don't, it, just because you're offered a job does not mean that you're obligated to take it. Oh, and by the way, you will not lose the ability to work with them in the future by saying no. no. We actually appreciate when you say no, if it's for a good reason. Mm -hmm. Yep. Uh, I, in, in the publishing world at large, beyond fantasy gaming or in editorial, sometimes there is that flexibility to haggle or th that's why uh, editorial illustrators have representatives or agents to handle that for them so they don't have to, to do the kind of grit under the fingernails, dirty work. Um, I, I'm Magic the Gathering, and I do not have the budget flexibility to do that. Uh, we pay a standard rate, uh, which is nice for the illustrators in one sense because they know I'm not I'm not able to pay anyone better than I'm paying them. Now, some some assignments pay better than others mm -hmm. uh, based on what it is, but I do not. I, I am unable to, uh, and if I were able to, would be unwilling to. Um, vary by artist name. So everyone, once you're in, you're in. And again, that's just if uh, if you're presented with work, just like check for the uh, the the, uh, the payment situation. Um, just feel free to ask what the budget is. You know, if you're not being presented with one, you should ask that both of those things immediately. When I send out my requests to artists to see if they're interested in a project, I will tell them. Um, what most of the pieces are like if I'm working on the online magazines I know it's either one third page or two third page or if it's inside a book I'll say you know most of the pieces are quarter pages and they pay this amount mm -hmm. yeah. I, I'll give you kind of a, a the, the amount that that you can expect I'll say these are my dates this is when I need my sketch approved by this is when I need my final approved by um, this is when I'm going to send you the art brief. Um, all of that information is in that initial contact thing. And then I'll ask you, if you're interested and available, how many pieces do you want in that schedule? And most of the time, I'll ask the artist to tell me per page. So if they say they want one page, that could be a one-page image. That could be four quarter-page images, two half-page images. Um, because that's how we break down our payment is by the page. Yeah, and we have that's how our rates are based. Our rates are based on a per base or per page image. So we'll say, you know, so when we work up a book, we say we have X amount of dollars per page for an art cost. So okay, might have you know eight hundred dollars per page. So that means you know, okay, great. Quarter page is two hundred bucks. A half page is four hundred bucks, and a full page is eight hundred bucks. The math is pretty simple. And so when we're working that way, that's how that's how we tend to work too. And it, whether you're Joe Blow Illustrator or your Todd Lockwood, it's I I only get the eight hundred dollars to offer both of you. It doesn't matter. So Yeah, and when I do when I contact when I do my cold emails to to a new artist that I think I would want to work for, I give them the the prices. 
upfront so I don't have to have the surprise yes. later. Um, just so, just because we have certain um, uh, base price for different sizes for our illustrations, and I just get that information up front. And if you like it, then fine. If you don't, then you have the right to say no. We'll take a couple more questions. We're getting kind of close. We want to wind up so the guys coming in next have a little time to set up. Right. Any other questions? Yes. So for myself, um, when I was actually doing the magazines before Kate, before Kate took it on, um, I was working with new people constantly. Um, I would every magazine I would have two to three new people in there. But for me, it comes. You, you got a valid point. You know, when it's when we have there are artists that we use a lot. Uh, there's a reason we use those artists a lot. They're consistent. They hit or beat the deadlines. Mike Schley is one of those guys. I will give him a deadline. He laughs at me and turns it in two weeks early usually. You know, Mike, I've got this emergency. Can you turn this in in three weeks? Awesome. Not a problem. I'll take it on. Awesome. By the end of the weekend, I have the map. Mm -hmm. There's a reason I use Mike Schley. There's another reason, and there's a reason I use new kids. When I get new kids who come to me and they hand me their book and, and they smoke my other guys, and I give them the opportunity to come in and do it, and they come in and they smoke everybody else I'm currently working for, that's when I work with new kids. Mm -hmm. So I work with new guys every time they show up and they're better than somebody I'm currently working for. It's not about, I don't have an allotment and say, this week I'm gonna use three new people. It's this week I'm gonna use the new guys who come in and smoke the guys that I'm currently working with. And that's the truth of it. I, I like to think of um, it as, I only have so much RAM. Um, and every artist that I don't have to worry about frees up that much more RAM for everything else. So people who get used consistently are people who I just trust. And whenever they take on, you know, when they tell me how much they can take on, I'm like, oh, great, that's that many pieces I don't have to worry about. I know we'll be fine. I won't have to hold its hand through. Um, but I mean, I work with 60 artists on a project, and I'm usually working on 10 to, 10 to 20 projects. So constantly, constantly, constantly working with new people. Um, well, we have certain uh, products that we tr tend to try new people on. And then, you know, <laughs> if, they, if they're easy to work with and we like with their work, then we, we kind of move them up to the, the bigger projects. So, I mean, I don't usually use too many new people, but um, I know Andrew over here has been um, commissioning a lot of new people for a lot of new stuff. So, I mean, we we don't have a percentage, but we, we do try to um, use a fairly new amount of new people. Because we, we want to bring up that our database, even though it's not a real database. But <laughs> we want to bring up our... Um, Dry erase board. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. um, we're constantly looking for new people, so we're, we're, um, add, we want to add to our list of go-to artists that we could have, so, yeah. Yeah, same. 
One last question. that counts yeah well, well move move up through a company what like with a staff position I guess like so it depends on what your career path is going to be yeah. and um, if you're looking to stay in art management so you know graphic designer, senior graphic designer, art director, senior art director, creative director, you're still pretty much in the art management or art creation field. Your degree has absolutely nothing to do with it and there's very few people who care about it unless you get into institutions, uh, specifically like you know, into schools and colleges and stuff like that, then your degrees actually have a big importance. Um, My degree still has that turtle and pirate yeah. that I grew on to get into college. Yeah. But now if you want to sit here and start moving into, into middle and upper management where you start getting that executive title, then yeah, MBAs, specifically MBAs are the most important aspect uh, schooling that you can get. So like if I wanted to, um, I used to be VP at Wizards of the Coast for a while and uh, God, I'm glad I'm not that anymore. But that was something that they were really pushing for me was to go back and get my MBA and uh, to sit here and take on that new business mentality. Um, I like doing arts. That's why I'm glad I'm back into the, just the creative side of things. So it just really kind of depends what you would do. But for the most part, nobody cares about what your degrees are. They really care about what you're producing and what, you, what you're doing. Yeah, especially if you're freelancing. If you send a cover letter in with your portfolio, I will not read it. I do not care. I promise I will not. I don't care. Um, if you send me, you know, write-ups about what the pieces are and how you're qualified, like, I do not care. Three to five samples. That's that's the long and short of it. I, you know, I've never met half the people I work with, never spoken to them on the phone, have no idea if they're 16 or if they're 60. Don't care. All right. It was awesome. Thank you very much for being here.